Welcome to The Mentor List. To turn you into the best version of you that's around. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hello and welcome to today's Mentorlist Talent webinar and welcome to The Mentorlist. We are a collaboration of business services and professional growth and we're dedicated to connecting the very best minds here in Australia. Today we're very excited to introduce our speakers and support such a, a great initiative today. A little bit about The Mentorlist. So we started back in 2016 on based on the fundamentals of leveraging and learning from the lived experience and so this saw, saw us launch our podcast back in 2016, which then eventuated into our mentor marketplace that was helped and placed many mentors and mentees. This also evolved into our mastermind groups, which we had the pleasure of supporting some of Australia's most established and successful leaders here in Australia. Also got some advisory services and consulting and strategy, which we help our clients with. So moved away from just the professional development and growth and into sort of those business services products. And that includes a mentor list digital arm. But uh, more, more sort of pertinently, we're here today through uh, Mentor List Talent, which is all about targeting diverse initiatives to support women in leadership, women in technology, and more specifically, uh, return to work mums. So I'll just do a little bit of housekeeping, and then you won't hear from me. We'll introduce Claire and Sharon very shortly. I'll just do a very brief introduction from Claire, and then I'll hand over to Sharon. So previously, Claire was the Chief Executive of World Vision Australia, so that is the country's largest not-for-profit organisation, and extensive global and local experience in financial services division of ANZ, including a stint as the Head of Digital Banking. Uh, she was also the Chairman of Ridley College here in Melbourne from 2009 to 2016, where she guided them to achieve a business model shift, again, in that online delivery. She's also assisting several digital and new business startups to achieve scale and managing partner of our very own CEO, Mastermind Advisory Services. And as if that wasn't enough, Claire's also Director of Melbourne Business School and MLC Methodist Ladies College here in Kew, Melbourne, also a member of the Chief Executive Women and the AICD Scale Investors and Angel Investor Network focused on female founders. So a very impressive professional resume what probably doesn't get included in the CV is she's also married and with two children, Lockie and Madeline, aged just 21 and 17. So very much looking forward to hearing Claire's perspective on this topic today. Just to introduce Sharon quickly and then I'll hand over as well. Sharon has 18 years of experience in the recruitment industry, both within agency and talent acquisition. Sharon's professional experience includes six years as an assistant to senior execs, 10 plus years recruitment within technology, and that's across Europe, Australia, Asia, and she's also more, more recently the, become the managing partner and founder of Mentorlist Talent. So Mentorlist Talent is all about driven to challenge diversity and to support mums returning to work, an area which we all feel has been neglected and underserviced for far too long. So without yeah. further ado, I'll just hand over to Sharon. Thank you, David, for the introduction and welcome to Claire also. And welcome to all of you joining us today for this very important topic. I want to start by telling you a short story and please bear with me. There is a method to my madness here. And I guess it gives you more insight into how 
Mentor This Talent came to be as well. If you can picture, I was a researcher, one of four, supporting 17 account managers. And this was for technical recruitment into the Japanese market. So I was supporting 17 account managers who were all male. So I was accustomed to hearing at the time that women couldn't really make it in the technical world as an account manager. And sure enough, I would see women come in as account manager for the technical recruitment world and they wouldn't succeed. And I was watching on and seeing this happen. But I guess what the guys didn't realize is the environment that was being created around these conversations. So if you can imagine if 16 of those guys suddenly turned on one of those guys saying that they wouldn't be successful and were having these conversations in that environment, do you think that guy would thrive and be successful? Uh, I don't think so. So no one would survive in that kind of environment. Anyway, I, I grew tired watching this and decided to become an account manager myself. And the rule then for recruiting into the Japanese market was you had a grace period from six to 12 months where you got to make your first placement because it was a slower process and all the rest. So I became an account manager and I actually made my first placement within the first six weeks and I made five placements within four months, which was unheard of for this market and in particular for the technical account manager as well. So fast forward, I was then flown to Japan on a business trip. I trained and managed a team of researchers and sure enough, became a successful account manager in the technical world as a woman. So what I'm trying to say that the moral of my story here is not that I was a successful account manager. It was the fact it changed the environment for more women to come in and thrive, which is exactly what happened. So it is possible to reprogram unintentional mindsets and stereotyping to create a better outcome. So where mentorless talent came from is I wanted to help and encourage the same hope in other women. So there are a lot of fantastic support groups out there for women in tech, women in leadership, and relevant to today's topic, moms returning to work. However, there was no real avenue to connect these professionals to directly to opportunities with progressive organizations where they can actually thrive. And, you know, that's where I guess mentorless talent has, has come from and came to be. And on that note, we would now cross over and speak with Claire on her experience as a return to work mom twice over, a real life success story. So Claire, what were the key challenges you faced when returning to work for the first time after having your first child? Yeah, thanks, Sharon. Actually, some of my challenges were before I had my first child when I became pregnant. And there was a challenge in my head. I mean, in, we look back now and think, how could I possibly have thought this? But I did think, oh, maybe that's going to be the end of my career, uh, having a child. And thankfully, we've come a long way since then in the last 20 years, but it still crossed my mind. And it's, in fact, the challenge was me and my mental frame to think about how to make it possible to come back to work. 
The other thing that was happening for me at the time was I was actually working in London. My management team were back in Australia. I was running a business and very successfully on behalf of the ANZ Bank and I'd been headhunted or I was being tapped on the shoulder to go and work for another bank in London to do that job and they were offering quite a lot more money. So being slightly unplanned in this context, I decided that what I would do is talk to my boss first about the fact that he wasn't paying me enough money and then secondly, by the way, I'm pregnant and, you know, we need to talk about what might work after I come back to work. And to his credit, he was quite a forward-thinking guy. He immediately agreed to the pay rise. And secondly, he said, don't worry, what we're going to do is, is set you up at home. You're going to be able to work the hours you want to and you just send us a bill for how many hours you can do until you're ready to come back in the office. And so what I learned from that experience, the challenge was my mental frame. What I thought was possible was limited. But when I asked for what I needed, I actually was given what I needed. And so I learned to ask for what you need. So then when I came back to work with a child, the support he provided was good, but at different times it needed to be pivoted. And he was really supportive. I didn't get everything I needed, but it was a really important lesson to ask for what you need. Definitely. And it sounds like you had to kind of take charge as well to create the environment as well as the organization as well, Claire. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And I was working in a very conservative market in London. It was challenging for women in Australia, but what I discovered was that the women in the UK were far more conservative. So I would share the arrangement that I had at home and they would say, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. You have to be in the office to get the job done. So yeah. in actual fact, it was the women who had lim limited thinking and I actually found that it didn't stop me doing my job. We got a heap of stuff done, as we've all learnt during COVID, by the way, working from home is, in, is eminently possible and not a substitute for some face-to-face -face contact, but there's an awful lot of the job that you can get done from home. So what I had to learn was that my perspective, even though it sometimes was an outlier, didn't mean it was wrong. Definitely. Another factor, you know, when you're chatting to moms as well, that moms tend to get mommy guilts as well going back to work. What, what do you feel are the main causes for moms getting the mommy guilts going back to work there? Yeah, the big area in here is expectations of yourself and the expectations of others. And it can be quite a burden dealing with all those expectations. I remember talking to an older woman at a point where I was feeling a bit of the mummy guilt and she had a son who just had his first child and he had said to her, oh, mum, we're going to do it the way you did it. You were always there for me. And this older woman reflected back to me. She said, I worked all the time in my career and brought them up and I always worried that I wasn't there for them. But my son thinks I was there for him. So she said what I learned, what she must have done almost in hindsight, she found out from her son, was she was there at the important moments. And so I think that there's always got to be a, a little radar running. Is this an important moment that I need to be there for my child? And then the other measure I use is are my kids flourishing? And if my kids are flourishing, 
even though I'm at work, then we're doing okay. Because when I'm at work, I flourish as well. And so when mum's doing well, so are the kids generally. So checking in, are my kids flourishing, is a really important question. Managing expectations of self. Don't set the bar so high that it's really impossible to achieve. And just do what your kids need and you'll be surprised at how irrelevant mummy guilt can be. Exactly. And I guess going back to, you know, boundaries and and I guess what mums do, what women do and and all around, can you name kind of key areas which you feel restrict mums from their full potential of returning to work again as well? Self-belief sometimes, you know, mums, I often hear mums say, oh, I've been out of the workforce, I don't think I've got the skills anymore or, you know, how am I going to put my skills together, you you don't lose it in my experience. You might need to brush up on how you communicate those skills and remind yourself of the stories and the, you know, the examples of how you've delivered those skills. But I think focusing on, you know, mums returning to work there, what in my experience I gave this too, but if you give mums the flexibility to manage home and work, they'll deliver in spades for work because they're so delighted to have the flexibility and the, the privilege of making this work from a balanced point of view. So that would be the thing is ignore the fact, and I know there's lots of literature about the mummy track and getting back on the treadmill of work and how hard it is, but I think if you just stay with the skills, revise those skills and communicate those skills well, you'll achieve your potential. So again, there's a little bit in here about self-belief. Definitely. And I guess a lot of it is about balance, which you've touched on as well. How did you balance workload and being present for your kids at the same time? Yeah, so the important area here is not trying to be a super mum. Getting the help. (laughs) you need. I'll tell you a story. I can remember um, my daughter's second or first birthday. I thought that it was really important that I made her birthday cake. Well, what actually happened, because I was flying around doing 100 things at once, I did make the birthday cake, but I pulled it out of the oven and dropped it immediately on the floor. (laughs) And so I had to go and get a bought cake from the supermarket over which I hastily put some purple icing and some um, decorative things. And honestly, my daughter didn't even know the difference. I think this temptation to be a super mum and a super worker is the real challenge in here because it takes your mental space as well to do all of those things. What I learned perhaps a little late was to get more help in the home, to give up some salary, to have, you know, help with, you know, gardening or cleaning or the things that if you're not at work, occupy your time and take you away from your children. I remember speaking to one leader, manager, who said that she actually spent more on her nanny than her salary in the first instance because she wanted to be able to work and she needed that support. That was the only option for her. Sometimes I think giving up some of that financial, you know, perhaps reward for the job to have some sanity and some space to be with your kids, I think that's a a no-brainer. 
And you yeah. can also get childcare sorted, like home help. I, we had after-school care in the home. And if you advertise it right, you can advertise it with responsibilities like housekeeping responsibilities and have a bit of a mix for the kids and for the home. And our kids get a lot of attention and, you know, they're sometimes quite happy to hang around at home and do their own thing. And the nanny housekeeper can help the house function so that when you're at home, you're present with the kids. Perfect. And I think like as moms, you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help and to do that as well, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and that's relevant to when you come back to work. It's okay that there are elements of work and home that you need to juggle. And it is okay to set boundaries as long as you do that flexibly with the organisation and making sure that there's not an area where your boundaries are impeding the organisation, but mostly it can be done. You know, when I got my first exec role, I was with a group of men. I was the only female and they had all these meetings at 7.30 and they used to send the papers out at 7am. I had to still get to those meetings, which was an issue in itself, but I'd have no chance of reading the papers between 7 and 7.30 because I had to feed, you know, Lachlan. This was when he was quite young and then come to work. And so I asked them, I said, could we have the meetings at 8.30 and could we have the papers the night before? And it was surprising, actually, all the men around the table, they actually liked that change, but they just put up with it for years. So I think it is okay to set boundaries, provided the business objective can still be met. Excellent. Thanks, Claire. And you mentioned earlier around self-belief being one of the things to keep in mind. What do you feel is also kind of the best mindset to adhere to when you are a mom returning back to work? Don't try and do both childcare and work at once. I know COVID has thrown this mix up and that sometimes hasn't been, we haven't had the choices that we would normally have, but I actually think it's really important to get the right support for your kids in place so that you can be fully present at work and vice versa, as we've talked about. Work doesn't appreciate, you know, the kids' encroaching on your time and vice versa the kids don't appreciate you encroaching on their time with you so I think that's it is important to have a structure but also to hold that structure lightly because kids change they grow up (laughs) and what they need changes so you can just get it settled for that preschool phase and then school appears and that opens up a whole new set of things that you need to do to support your child in in getting to school and support the home and family and getting stuff sorted. So I think the mindset is putting the effort into setting it up properly so that it works and being ready to adjust as the kids grow up Yeah. Uh, so that you can still have the space and the attention to give to the job. Definitely. And when you look back on when you return to work, I guess, after both kids, is there anything you would change or do differently looking back on it now? Yeah, look, I think I'd drop trying to be perfect (laughs) and get more help earlier. Help not just looking after the kids, but the garden, washing meals, you know, all of those allow you to be more present. Maddie and I also, we had some routines to create that balance and that separation of time. And I'd encourage you 
to invest in those. I probably didn't invest in those with Lachlan, but we did with Maddie. And one of those rituals was getting into comfy clothes after I finished work. And she would come with me and we'd get the comfy clothes out and I'd put them on. And that was a real symbolic shift from work to home. So I think I'd drop trying to be perfect and hold it all together perfectly. Stuff happens and sometimes your family needs you. And sometimes stuff happens at work and work needs you and, and negotiating right. that with home and with work. And, and I haven't mentioned him yet, but I have a terrific husband in the background who's also been very supportive. But it is a negotiation. And so being more intentional, I think, about how you're going to make all this work and stepping in early when there's got to be a change is, is an important thing and I think can't be underestimated. And what areas of your life do you feel you had to, I guess, adapt and change the most to ensure both work and family life ran smoothly? You know, I talked before about women who get to do this balance are often very, very grateful, but treat time very preciously. So I treated my time at work very preciously and I wanted to produce as much as I could so that I could go home and spend this time with the family. And what I discovered was I was so intent on the work itself, I was forgetting to say hello to people in the corridor. (laughs) So um, it was all well intended, but of course people interpreted it the wrong way. And so I had to make adjustments to make sure I was present with the people at work, not just the output of work. Yeah, I had to adjust how I was present at work just as much as I had to adjust how I was present at home. You know, I couldn't be always part of the school mums and knowing what was going on in the school mums, but I could I could stay connected to a smaller group of mums who'd keep me connected with what was going on in the, in the school. There are some things you've got to let go of. You can't do everything. You can have what you want, but you can't have everything. And so you have to choose what it is that you actually want and lean into that and set that up well and then from there then make adjustments but not trying to do everything. Exactly. And on your journey, Claire, did you experience any pushback or resentment? Occasionally. Mostly, if I was evaluating it on balance, mostly it was positive. I did take a career break at one point from a a terrific job and I can remember the person, my manager, saying, well, you'll never get a job as good as that again and thinking, oh, yes, maybe she's right. But actually she wasn't right. I learnt over time that these things uh, get tested and perspectives are tested and if there is pushback or resentment, there are ways around it. And if you work respectfully with people, there are ways around it. So that's one aspect. So yes, of course, there were times when I had challenges or issues of respect. But then there were other times where when I set boundaries, I can remember some very senior men coming to chat to me and saying, we're so thankful that you're doing what you're doing because it gives us permission to do it too. So in setting, you know, meeting time boundaries or just being intentional and getting home by 5.30 so I can hang out with the kids. And, you know, even if that meant I had to work later in the evening, those things were respected and gave 
everyone permission to consider that that's actually okay, whereas it hadn't been sort of the culture in the past. A bit of both, but on balance, mostly positive. I know there are some employment contexts where that's not the case. And I would encourage you to think deeply about whether that's the right place for you long term, because it will take a cost. And to look for an environment that actually genuinely supports diversity and women returning to work is an important part of having balance at home. 100%. And if there was one key takeaway, I guess, Claire, for all the moms listening in today, to sum up how you tackled life as a mom returning to work, what would it be? Get help. You know, don't try and do it all. The worst thing is if you run yourself into the ground, then you can't support your family, you can't fulfil your job responsibilities. And I think, you know, societally we have, we're not in like Asian cultures where it's okay to have a maid or or a support in the home. And I'm not saying we have to go that far, but culturally that would be very different for Australia because we like to well, respectfully do things ourselves, but getting the right help is as important for the kids as it is for you in returning to work. And so I can remember at one point I was struggling. I was trying to be a super mum and do everything. And I was speaking to a very senior female executive and in the Australian Melbourne market. And she said, oh, oh, do you have a housekeeper? And I said, well, no. And she said, well, I have a housekeeper and they do this, this and this. And it was a pivotal moment for me because I had been trying to do it all. And unfortunately, in the culture in Australia, we women don't talk about this. So that's why I spend quite a bit of time on this. It's absolutely okay to have help in the home to help you balance it. I took a career break at one point and I thought I was going to spend hours and hours with the kids. But actually, I was telling them, oh, just hang on, sweetie, I've got to put another load of washing on. Well, you know, that's not time with the kids. So someone else doing that work means that I can be present with the kids and fulfil a job. Absolutely. And do you have any tips, I guess, for any organisations who want to kind of do more in this area as well for moms returning to work? Yeah, there's been times where I've challenged my peers and uh, wanted to encourage them to support more women coming back into the workforce. I've done a mixture of lots of different types of working arrangements, including a full break in a career break, through to, you know, just picking up the kids after school on a Friday afternoon. And encouraging both organisations to lean into there's lots of different ways to get work done and COVID's actually probably accelerated this for the women on the line. I think this is the moment for you because previously this, you know, this FaceTime or being present in the office was much more highly rated even though it was it was losing some of its significance. And so this is the moment to really demonstrate what you've been able to achieve in a remote environment and that means you know lots of opportunity and lots of potential but for organizations leading to this this is the time for you to be really supportive of how just like that manager I had way back when Lothan was born what can you put in place to support people to do 
their work in different ways. Absolutely, because there is one one thing, one side of it clear where people say they're they're going to help and all this, and then realistically, when people are placed in these situations within organisations, the reality is it's not really available, but it's saying that it's available. So that's kind of one one thing that really has to be tackled, I would say. Yeah, I it's true. I would say that I never, if you're relying on a policy, at that point you probably got a real challenge. If you can build the relationships to support what you need, that's a much better outcome for everybody because everybody wins out of that. So policies are important in many parts of life, not just this. By the time you're pulling out the policy, you've probably got some differences of opinion around how things should be done. And so the more you can lean into it relationally and and ask for what you need, explain why it's important, explain what it'll help you do and help you achieve in the organisation, that's, I think, a much more positive route to go down. And I think my entire career, I I can't tell you that I ever pulled out the policy. I always went and just had the conversation with my leaders to say, you know, to make this work, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Would that be okay? Sometimes they said no, but mostly they said yes. Probably a good segue, Claire, talking about organisational policies. Does your organisation have an appropriate return to work mum's policy? It's quite relevant to that conversation I had earlier around Remember, you're dealing with people, if they haven't had kids and they haven't had to juggle home and work life, they don't necessarily understand it. And that's why I say relationally, you're going to get a long way further than pulling out a policy. That doesn't mean, you know, organisations shouldn't be leaning in and trying to reshape policies because that is important. It's an underpinning, if you like. But from a practical point of view, dealing with how you do work and home life balance, it's going to be about the conversations you have with the people who can support you. Does your employer understand your needs as a return to work mum? There's two paths here. One is, have I explained it and asked for it in a way that they understand to be able to give it to me and they're still saying no, then maybe there's a point to evaluate, is this the right place to spend my time? If you haven't yet really communicated what it is you need, I'd encourage you to go and do that because not everybody understands this stuff. Not everybody has had to have someone returning to work in their teams or accommodate that. It's very similar in some ways. You know, I had someone who had a significant health issue working in my team and until he came and said to me, he divided the day into three blocks And because of his health issue, he could only do two blocks a day. So if I needed him at night for a function, he needed the morning off and to compensate for, you know, doing two blocks. He couldn't do three blocks. And as soon as he explained that to me, that became very easy for me to manage and to work with him on. And But before that, I had no understanding and I would have said, why aren't you showing up to this or to that? So it's about giving people enough insight into what it is that you need to then be able to support you to do your job. And he was a fantastic team member, delivered amazing work, but we just had to work with that requirement for him to enable him to give me his best. 
go and have those conversations and you'll test that out. And if the answer's not good, then that helps you think about, well, in the medium term, I need to be looking for another workplace that is going to value me and support me to bring my best work. Do you see opportunities within your organisation for return to work mums? Find people who can who you can share your perspectives and your needs with and maybe a group of you would be more powerful than a single voice in this context. But also get some support people around you who can help just be an encouragement to you in that environment where there aren't as many opportunities. The other thing I've learned in my career is tell people what you want to do from a career point of view. And don't assume that because you're juggling family and home that they will discount you because organisations need to know what you want to do. Otherwise, they'll assume you're happy in the job that you're in. And so there are a number of jobs that I went and just said to someone, oh, gee, that's a really interesting job. I'd like to do that one day. And even when I was working part-time, I did that. And it was amazing. You know, I ended up getting to run a marketing department for three days a week, four days a week, three in the office and one at home because I said I'm really interested in that job. And so I think there's a combination of what you need to do the job but also what job you want to do. And when people look at you and have a think about you for a job, they're more likely to consider you because they know that you want it. And the family side of it becomes a bit less relevant and the juggling side becomes a bit less relevant. So within your organisation, is this perspective towards mums returning to work supportive? We've got a bit of policy work happening and a bit of intent, but a bit more action and practical delivery is required. And again, the only way to get that is to use your voice to say, this is what I need. You can choose to do that individually or collectively, but doing it always with the business objectives in mind, not trying to get freedoms that wouldn't lead to a good business outcome. You need to do the business case and pitch the business case. And most organisations, if they can see the value, will will front up with the support, in my experience. Mm-hmm. How do I prepare my children that getting back to work for a mum is as important as dad's work? Yeah, great question. We've just always encouraged a conversation around the dinner table that acknowledged women and men in the workplace and with little ones there's ways to do that. Things that validate mum going back to work should be part of play at home. We've used that. Off open conversation, dad saying supportive things about mum going back to work, a focus on how you're going to give them time after work. So like I was explaining, the the getting into comfy clothes ritual when we came home, that was really important, that this is what's going to change, this is what's not going to change in talking with your kids. And then being prepared for times when you are going to have to make a choice between work and home when the kids need you because it will happen. Great. Thanks, Claire. Okay, Sharon, I'll just hand back to you to close out the event. Thanks again, Claire, and over to you, Sharon. Thanks, David. As you can see, Claire is a clear example of a return to work mom success story. And Mentorless Talent are here to ensure there's a lot more 
of these success stories from moms, where Mentorist Talent can come in and support with moms returning to work, we can get you uh, direct access to opportunities within progressive organizations where you can thrive. We will help you with resume guidance, activities, applications, tools, interview guidance, mentors, and training content to provide you with everything you need while you're on your journey to that next opportunity and after as well. We can assist organizations with recruitment services, job share, and all the tools and training and educational content around this topic, one-on-one -on -one sessions, mentorless professional development programs, and mentors as well. I would like to thank you all for joining us today. We will continue the conversation around these topics and, and our team will be in touch. We look forward to supporting this initiative and all of you moving forward as well. So have a fantastic day ahead. Thank you, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today at The Mentor List. If you'd like to hear more or speak to us about recommending our next interview guest, come on through to mentorlist.com.au. You can also find out more about our suite of mastermind series taking shape in your area, your industry, and your discipline. We look forward to welcoming you to one of our events very soon. Stay tuned for another great show. for listening to The Mental List. If you like what you're hearing on The Mental List, the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mental List.